friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. My name is Lauren, and today on the podcast with me, I have Sarah Kornack with me, who is going to talk about bookkeeping for Etsy sellers, and I am really excited to have this conversation with her because I know that this is something that so many people struggle with and just really struggle to wrap their heads around. So welcome, Sarah. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and what you do? Sure. Thank you, Lauren, so much for having me on your podcast today. I'm Sarah Kornack. I have the website smallbusinesssarah.com where I help small business owners with tax and bookkeeping. Primarily, I focus on e-commerce sellers, so Etsy sellers, Amazon, Shopify, eBay. I do have a degree in accounting. I am a mother of three, and I live in Pittsburgh. All right. That is great. So when I actually reached out to Sarah and wanted to talk to her about this specific subject, because I have so many people that come to me, just really, I think probably the word that is thrown around the most in regards to bookkeeping and finances is overwhelmed. (laughs) People are very, very overwhelmed. So I kind of want to just approach it from the position of like, if you are an Etsy seller, you know, you've had a decent number of sales and you are kind of caught off guard come tax time or come... I mean, most of the time, I think what happens is people get started like sometime during the year and they just don't really think about it. And then, you know, January 1st hits and they're like floundering around. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I like have forgotten that taxes exist and I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And so then they're trying to play catch up for the previous year and then moving ahead. So if you have somebody that comes to you and they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, where do you start? Well, probably the best place to start, although you can't really backtrack and do this, but if you are just starting selling, the best thing to do is get those separate financial accounts established from day one. So a separate bank account, a separate credit card if you use credit cards that are specifically for your business. Now, ideally, those should be in the name of your business. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, or you haven't kind of filed your business paperwork, you can use some personal bank accounts or credit cards initially. But keeping those business financials transactions separate is really important because it will make everything easier when it comes to bookkeeping and when it comes to tax time. So that's not exactly what (laughs) your question was, but I just thought I'd throw that in there as a super important first step. Yeah, I think that that was not how I started with the business, but it was a change that I made fairly early in the business. Um, and I've talked about on the podcast, but it is really hard to have any kind of continuity with what you're doing financially if everything is mixed in with your personal finances. Like it's almost impossible, I think. Mm-hmm. It makes it so much harder. 
because if you haven't really done bookkeeping all year, you're probably trying to summarize things like that at the end of the year. You're trying to just figure out what you spent, what you made. And just having separate financial accounts, even if you weren't really doing bookkeeping throughout the year, is going to make that job so much easier. Yeah. I also think it really helps people to be able to visualize if your business is really bringing in you know, money sure. <laughs> and above and beyond what you're spending. Because I think for me, at least I know with my own experience, you know, if I have a savings account and I'm depositing my Etsy transactions into that, but then I'm charging things with my debit card that's coming out of a checking account. And like all these things are coming from different places. It's really hard to know without doing any kind of detailed bookkeeping, like just at a glance, how you're doing. Because, you know, in the midst of all of that, I'm also like buying groceries and getting gas and like all these right. normal expenses in your normal life that are coming in and mixing with that same money. Right. So if you have your business in a separate checking account, then at least throughout the year, you've got that cash flow kind of as a guide for if you're making money on your business or if you're losing money on your business. And of course, we don't want to be losing money on our business. And that can be just an initial guide if your business finances are in a separate checking on how you're doing throughout the year. But then, of course, true bookkeeping is what then provides that additional information to you so that you can make better decisions about your business. I think a lot of people think that bookkeeping is just about the tax return. And that is certainly an important thing that bookkeeping helps you to be able to do to easily do your tax return at the end of the year. But I think more importantly, bookkeeping is about solid financial information that you can use to make better decisions about your business, to help grow it, grow your revenue, decrease your expenses. It just provides great feedback throughout the year. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that while I understand people wanting to bury their head in the sand, and I too was like that for many years, (laughs) unfortunately, when I got out of that mindset and said, you know, I really have to deal with this, this is not something that's going away. And frankly, like your money in and money out is kind of the single most important aspect of your business. Like if you are bringing in money, but you're spending every single dime that you're making, then you don't actually have a business. You just have a self-sustaining hobby. Yes, exactly. So if you're going to bury your head in the sand about something, it doesn't need to be about your financials. <laughs> but I, you know, I found that once for me, when, when I decided to step out of that and really get into it, first off, it's not nearly as complicated as you feel like it's going to be. And it's not as scary as you kind of build it up to be. But also the growth of the business was so much just exponentially faster and more (laughs) once I had a better grasp of the financials because of all the reasons that you just mentioned. Like you know what you're doing, you know where you're going and how you're doing along the way. So, you know, you don't get caught off guard because when I was sort of in that mindset still, like there were years that... I would file a tax return. I did no zero bookkeeping all year, like didn't pay attention to it, didn't do anything with the numbers. And then at the end of the year, we would file a tax return and I made $10,000 in profit for a whole year of work, you know, yeah. and it's really disheartening. Exactly. 
Yeah. So if you're paying attention throughout the year, you can adjust as you go month by month and make better decisions so that that bottom line at the end of the year is a pleasant one, is a bottom line you're really proud of. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you recommend? Because Etsy doesn't make it super, super easy to pull the information from the system and do any kind of bookkeeping, especially if you don't have experience with bookkeeping. So do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, unfortunately, the Etsy reports, they do leave something to be desired. I know a lot of people don't love the new shop payment account. There are some features about it that I do like. There's a couple of different options that you can go with when it comes to your Etsy shop bookkeeping. My preference is actually using regular QuickBooks. So QuickBooks Online Simple Start is actually my preference for how to do your Etsy shop bookkeeping because it's a a full-service accounting program, but I find it pretty intuitive and easy to use. Now, I know I'm coming from a background in accounting, so that might sound a little... I don't know, wishful thinking, but I do have a lot of people that kind of follow my Etsy method. And I do have a method, videos, and also blog posts that outline my Etsy shop bookkeeping method on QuickBooks Simple Start. I have plenty of people with no bookkeeping experience at all that can follow my method in QuickBooks Online Simple Start and do their Etsy shop bookkeeping each and every month. So that is the method that I recommend, the bookkeeping I recommend. But Okay, so just for clarification, is that the one that Etsy advertises on Etsy like as an integration with Etsy or is it separate from there? That is a great question. It is separate. So QuickBooks Self-Employed is the product that Etsy pushes, which they call QuickBooks for Etsy. And when it first came out, I had high hopes that it would be a wonderful solution for Etsy sellers. And unfortunately, it's not. QuickBooks Self-Employed is a very different product from QuickBooks Online Simple Start. So the names are very similar. It gets confusing, but Self-Employed is very different. The problem with QuickBooks Self-Employed... Now, if you know this going into it, you can adjust for it. But in QuickBooks Self-Employed, if you just use the program as they have it set up and then file your taxes based upon their numbers, you're actually going to be reporting to the IRS more income than you actually earned. And the reason for that is because in QuickBooks Self-Employed, the marketplace facilitator tax that Etsy now has to collect from, I think, 47 states now. And they're remitting that tax directly to the state, so money you never see. In QuickBooks Self-Employed, that marketplace facilitator sales tax that Etsy is collecting from almost every sale, they're including that in your income number in QuickBooks Self-Employed. So, right, it's unfortunate. So there's some good things about QuickBooks Self-Employed. It's pretty easy to use. It's pretty basic. It's not complicated. But that's kind of, to me, a really glaring error. Now, if you know that going into it, you can just use your 1099 number, less refunds on your tax return, and then you'll be reporting an accurate number. But I think a lot of Etsy sellers are just, of course, using that income number that QuickBooks Self-Employed is spitting out for them. And they're not realizing that 
on every transaction, they're recording an additional, you know, three, four, five, seven percent extra in income that they didn't actually earn. They never saw that money. So that's a huge glaring issue with QuickBooks self-employed, unfortunately. Yeah. So I only have experience with the QuickBooks self-employed and I don't have any experience with QuickBooks in the past. (laughs) So I ended up in a situation similar to what you're talking about where I was doing taxes on my own and used the QuickBooks with Etsy, like the integration with Etsy, yeah. and ended up dramatically over-reporting my income to the point... I mean, I think I was like seven or $8,000 that I was yeah. over-reporting what I needed to pay taxes on. So once I hired a CPA, which was not just because of that, it was because of some other complicated tax stuff that I didn't feel like I had a good grasp on, but then she was able to look through that. And actually, we didn't find it until the following year when she was like, oh, your expenses were so much higher this year. And I was like, no, they should be pretty similar. But I had underreported my expenses a lot. So anyway, I ended up getting a tax refund, which was really great. But that was kind of frustrating that um, that integration didn't work in... I mean. I will 100% say that it was probably a user error on my part. <laughs> but, you know, given the fact that I feel like I have a decent grasp of being able to follow directions, I felt like it was not as intuitive as I would have liked for it to have been. Yeah, no, I don't think it was probably your fault, Lauren, at all. When you think about it, and I don't know, maybe there is more going on in your particular tax situation, but just that marketplace facilitator tax they're attributing to you as income. In Pennsylvania, where I'm located, the sales tax is 7%. So mm-hmm. on a $100 sale, you would be you know, adding an additional $7 of income in your bookkeeping, unbeknownst to you, that you right. didn't actually earn. It adds up really fast. And it is a shame with the QuickBooks self-employed, QuickBooks for Etsy, same thing, that it's not accounting for that appropriately. Now, there's hope that they could change that someday, but it's just not a true accounting program. It's designed for people who have business and personal finances mixed. And as we just discussed, that's not ideal to have business and personal finances mixed. So right off the bat, they're assuming you're doing things wrong by mixing your finances. So it's Which just, is not a really great assumption from your accounting software. No. <laughs> No. So it, yeah, I would recommend staying away from self employed. And it sounds like you unfortunately learned that lesson yourself as well. Yes, I did. The hard way. Yeah. Thankfully, it was caught, but, yeah. you know, not by me. <laughs> so. How many people have not caught that? And because they're not quite to the level where they're getting a 1099 from Etsy, they have no idea and they're paying taxes on money that they don't need to. It's a shame. So, right. One of the other things I really find complicated or just confusing, I guess, about Etsy is, and this is one of the relatively recent changes and probably I'm assuming what you're kind of alluding to in talking about the payment accounts, but you know, the money that is taken from your sales and then deposited into whatever account you have set up is not really the full picture of your finances because they're already taking out all the fees and stuff before they're depositing that amount. Yes. Which is 
also something that I run into with bookkeeping that makes it, it's just like an extra step that it feels like there should be a way for Etsy to give you all of the information that you need in a simpler format without you having to do so much digging. But here we are. (laughs) I agree. If Etsy could just add a report to their financial report mix up, that had on a per deposit basis, what they're depositing into your account that sales in the few states that still you have to click sales tax, what amount is sales tax, what amount is shipping income, and then less all the fees. If they could show you, which I would think would be really easy for them to do, like, okay, this deposit includes this sales, less this fees, that would be incredibly helpful. But Unfortunately, Etsy does not have a report like that. And of course, because they hold your money for a certain length of time before you you know, get that deposit, that can complicate matters as well. So the method that I use and recommend on my website and videos and things like that, and the method I do with my bookkeeping clients that I have, is I use Etsy's monthly reports because Etsy's monthly reports are pretty good. The statement CSV file from the payment account really does a decent job of outlining every single fee that you paid and your sales and your shipping income and your shipping costs. So I rely on those monthly reports to then, and I translate them into a journal entry, and then that's what I post into QuickBooks Simple Start. And at the end of the process, I can tie the ending balance at the end of the month that Etsy is showing in your payment account to the ending balance that I'm showing Etsy has in my QuickBooks Simple Start. And when the two numbers agree, I know I've done everything correctly as far as bookkeeping for Etsy goes. It's not the only way to do Etsy bookkeeping in Simple Start, but it's the best, easiest, fastest, most accurate way that I have found to make it all work together pretty simply and easily every month. That's a great tip. Okay, so you've mentioned this marketplace facilitator tax, which I've actually never heard that terminology before. (laughs) Although I'm pretty sure, actually, I'm positive my state falls within that finally. It took them a long time to adopt (laughs) it. But can you talk a little bit about that and how that has changed the tax situation for people and if that's something they need to worry about or not? Yeah, absolutely. So let me try and like backtrack this. I'll I'll try and explain it as simply as I can, but jump in with questions if I get too, you know, down a rabbit trail too convoluted <laughs> here. So it used to be, for example, you said you're North Carolina. So it used to be that on Etsy, you would be collecting sales tax from anyone who also lives in North Carolina, and then you would remit that sales tax to your state. What has happened over the past couple of years is that many states have enacted a marketplace facilitator tax law. And so what that means is that now marketplaces are required to collect and remit sales tax from virtually almost every customer. So any state that has enacted a marketplace facilitator tax law Etsy then has to collect sales tax from every purchase from a customer made in those states. The only states right now that have not adopted this tax law is Florida, Kansas, and Missouri. And 
all three of those have some sort of legislation on their books. So it shouldn't be long before almost every state has adopted these marketplace facilitator tax laws. So basically, that means we're kind of off the hook now, residents of any of those 47 other states, because we no longer have to collect sales tax from customers that live in our state. We don't have to remit any sales tax because we never receive it. So it does kind of make a lot of things easier in that respect. Often your state might still want you to submit a zero sales tax return just to say, here's my information, but I don't have any sales tax I need to remit to you. But every state is different. So you'd want to look into your state's rules. Where this gets a little tricky, and this is all related to economic nexus. That's like the new buzzword. It used to be physical nexus that triggered sales tax. And now it's this economic nexus, which is why these marketplaces have to collect the sales tax from almost everybody. But where it gets tricky is if you start to sell on other platforms. So if you sell on, say, Shopify, Shopify is not a marketplace because everyone has their own individual websites. So at that point, you are responsible for collecting sales tax from almost every state if you meet certain thresholds. And unfortunately, the thresholds are different for every state. The lowest thresholds are 200 transactions or $100,000 in sales. So, I mean, you have to be a bigger shop owner before this comes into effect for you, where you've got to worry about that economic nexus that you might have in that state. But for some shop owners, you know, 200 transactions to a state like New York, if you're selling on Shopify, that could actually happen pretty easily. This would be website owners too. If you're selling on your website through maybe like a plugin or WooCommerce, this would affect you as well. And most states charge sales tax on digital products now too. So it really has wide reaching effects. But if you get into a situation like that where you're selling on Shopify and you're doing swift business, you know, you're having a lot of transactions, there's um, programs out there like TaxJar is the one I use where you can connect that to your shop and make sure that you don't reach those economic nexus thresholds. And if you do, they'll help you get a sales tax permit in those states. They'll help you file the tax returns. They'll help you know how much you collected in sales tax from those states. And I honestly, if I was a big time seller on Shopify or on my own website, I would never try to do it on my own. I would definitely use something like TaxJar to help me. So... Okay, so can I get a little bit of clarification there in terms of, let's say you have a Shopify shop and you're not hitting those economic nexus thresholds. Just to clarify, regardless of the thresholds, you still have to collect and remit sales tax for your own state, correct? Yeah, you would still do, yes, because the physical nexus still applies. So if you're in North Carolina, then you would still collect from North Carolina residents. Yes, you're correct. Okay. So that is one thing that um, I think that is confusing for people. And again, this is going to be state dependent. So I have only run into this with North Carolina. But like for me, people will say, 
okay, well, I'm in North Carolina, so I don't have to do anything because they're collecting and remitting that sales tax for me, right? So I just don't have to do anything. And in North Carolina, that is not true. You do still have to, you have to quarterly file a sales and use tax return. And then just it basically zeroes out like I collected this much and this much is exempt. But one thing that I have thought of for other people, I don't sell in person, but that that would add sort of an additional layer if you did of saying, you know, if you let's say you had $5,000 in sales and 4500 of it was on Etsy and 500 of it was in person, then that would kind of muddy those waters because you would have some that you would have to remit for yourself versus Etsy just collecting and doing it for you. Right. You would absolutely need to track those in-person sales and make sure you're collecting sales tax from those people in person at a craft show or something like that, and then remitting those sales. Okay. And I guess I didn't really realize that that economic nexus happened on, I guess I thought it was like a marketplace thing. I didn't realize that if you had your own website and you were doing that much volume to specific states that you were responsible for that. Um, I thought it was just your own state. So that's a good thing to know. (laughs) Yeah. And fortunately, they didn't set the thresholds extremely low. I mean, it would have been a nightmare for so many small business owners if the thresholds were set to, you know, much lower amounts. But still, you can still be a small business and make 200 sales to some of the bigger states like California or New York, because every state is different. I can't recall if the New York threshold is 200 transactions because every state is different. But a website like TaxJar does outline the thresholds for each state. But it's really something to start being worried about if you are selling on your own website or Shopify and you're really making a lot of sales. Then that's when you need to start paying attention to that. Absolutely. And I do just want to reiterate for people that because I get asked this question a lot you know, people will say, because this is kind of a newer change that has been enacted in states. And, you know, obviously, it's not all the states at one time, it's been like state by state by state. Yes. So it's been a little confusing to people who say, you know, I'm in North Carolina, and I just made a sale to Ohio, and they randomly charged sales tax, what am I supposed to do with that money? And what you're telling us is that, Etsy takes care of that. The only thing you need to worry about is your own state still, which has always been true and continues to be true. And they will take care of everything else. And they very well may take care of your state for you as well, too. But you need to be more informed about the rules around that one. (laughs) Yes, yes. Be more informed about your state, especially if you're Florida, Kansas, and Missouri, because you still do need to be collecting sales tax from sales made. If you're a resident of, say, Florida, you have to collect sales tax from other people who live in Florida who buy from you. But yeah, like Etsy will still be charging sales tax on that Ohio sale that you made. But you will never see that money. Like they keep the money, they send it to Ohio, and you are completely hands off if you even if you live in Ohio, because they have the marketplace facilitator tax law in place. So it did make things easier for most Etsy sellers. It just makes things harder if you have your own website and sell that way. Right. Yeah, for me, it was a huge thing. Like I was so excited when North Carolina adopted it because 
North Carolina is dependent on where you're shipping it to. So I don't remember what the technical term for that is. (laughs) Yeah. It's either destination or origin based. I can't remember which way it goes, but yeah, yeah, that is hard. Every single purchase, I had to look up the zip code and then the individual county taxes for that one. And it was such a pain that I like always procrastinated and dreaded and they'd send me letters and tell me I'm late. (laughs) So I was super excited when they took over. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming today and talking through this and giving us so many things to think about and steps to take to kind of get this in order and get organized. Where can people find you if they want more information about the stuff that we talked about today or about hiring you for some one-on-one help? You can find me at smallbusinesssarah.com. And that is Sarah with an H at the end. And also my YouTube channel. I have a lot of tutorial videos specifically geared towards QuickBooks Simple Start. And I have a lot of tutorial videos geared towards Etsy sellers specifically. And you can find me there at youtube.com slash Sarah Kornak. And that's spelled K-O-R-H-N-A-K. That's great. I hope people will check you out. And once again, I really appreciate you coming. And it's been fun having this conversation. Yeah, it's been lovely. Thanks for having me. I will see you next week back here on the podcast. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Bye.